podcast. We are your hosts. This is Nicole, and I am joined by Dexter. What's going on, y'all? And Armani. What's up, guys? And this week is another glorious Paint Sundays Black, where we are going to talk about all of the magnificent black work that is being done on television, because we know we can't go to the movie theaters, obviously. We're black folk in it. So before we jump into it, um, what are some things that you guys have uh, ingested this week or watched or seen that's not your sleeper, but uh, what's what's some things <laughs> out there in the world that's that's caught your attention? Armani? Uh, I saw the movie Shortcut the other day. It's a, it is also a Sundance film, along with my sleeper. Um, but it just came out on the second or the third. It's kind of a Stranger Things. It's got a Stranger Things vibe to it. It's basically about some kids that their bus gets hijacked and their bus driver gets killed. And then the hijacker gets killed and they end up in this tunnel where this monster and they decide they got to kill the monster now. But it's a pretty good movie. Um, Dexter, what have you watched? What What's going on? Oh, man. Watched Homecoming. That was interesting. Homecoming season two. Uh, I finished that. That was cool, I guess. Found out why she got, how she got in the boat. How she got in the boat. I, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny how you think things are so intriguing and then you find out how she got in the boat and you're like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I started watching Utopia. Yes, Utopia did get started. So Utopia will be joining the ranks because on this episode, we have two finales. So we'll be down to two shows on Sunday. So we're going to add in Utopia on Amazon to the to the mix. It is not what you think it is. Oh, no, it is not. Yeah, because Armani, who told me about it, was like, oh, it's a comic book. Like some people are searching for a comic. Yeah, it's a comic book. All right. Like Umbrella <laughs> Academy. And the boys. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just some nerds looking for comics. It's not Big Bang Theory type shit. So it is definitely good. If you've not started it yet, feel free to join along and start it. Yeah, if it's into the death kill things we like to watch. Faux show. All right. So first up on this list this week is going to be Fargo. Hey. Okay. Fargo episode three this week we get timothy oliphant joins the cast he plays dick wickware aka deffy 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 his name is deffy they call him deffy he's a u.s marshal who <laughs> is tracking sonny and uh zomer what's her name zamari zomar it's like spelled zomer but i think they're pronouncing but whatever he's come to town to track them Fun fact, we learned that he's Mormon early on in this episode, so it adds to the racistness of the show. Because at this point in time, not saying all Mormons are racist, but he specifically <laughs> quotes a part of the Book of Mormon that talks about how bad people were given dark skin. And that's like one of the controversies with like the Book of Mormon is that black people are considered evil. Like they look at black people like they're evil. So it adds to the racial undertones of this show. We already have people who don't like Italians. They don't like Jewish people. There's just racism all over the place. Yeah, we didn't get the traditional KKK this time. No, no. We got old school, like, welcome to America <laughs> racism. Yeah, yeah. Out of Fargo. Out of the season of Fargo. They came looking for her sister. I guess what? She's the main character? The little girl would be the main character? I don't really know who the main... I mean, other than Chris Rock. Yeah. And I guess it's the father's son. I guess it is no main character. I guess it's just the main. You switch from family to family to family, pretty much. Like you have the 
the Chris Rock family, and then you have the situation with Gatano and his brother, and then you have the situation with Atharita and her mom and her dad and her aunt who escaped from jail, and that's pretty much where you get to hear. I mean, you get to meet Deffy. He shows up. They kick in Ethelreda's family's front door looking for Sonny and Zelmer, who they were all in the kitchen having dinner. And these two broads managed to haul ass down into the mortuary underneath or the morgue part underneath the house and get inside of one little container, like the freezer, the fridge thing with the dead bodies. It was disgusting. (laughs) I don't... (laughs) How did they move so fast? Then they came upstairs and ate, and she ate all the apple pie in the ah, world. This special apple pie. I don't know yet, but yeah. Yeah, she didn't realize that it was the apple pie. Was that apple pie that? Yeah, that's the apple pie that, made? yeah, crazy neighbor. They go in there, they look for them, and Deffy, you know, starts like he wants to question Ethelreda, and her mom's like, no, she's a minor. I don't give my consent. You're not questioning my child. And then he asked her anyway. <laughs> And they very nicely covered for them and said, she's like, my aunt's in jail. It's where she's at. So he, uh, they leave. Um, next, we see the aftermath of the Fadas versus the Cannons. After Loy decides she's going to take the slaughterhouse, um, we get Dr. Senator telling a gentleman, because he was asked why. He was like, why did y'all think that was a good idea? And Dr. Yeah. Senator made it really clear that black folks have always had to take what they want nothing's given to them. so we took it yeah <laughs> we did it we took it he said he said in 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 so many words he said your word is just as good our word is just as good as your word so deal with it basically and now the slaughterhouses are ours with the father's dad being gone there is an internal struggle between gatano and his little brother who he points out how small he is when he's sitting in the chair fact and tells him that that chair is too too big for him yeah <laughs> and then he later sits in it and you see just how big it is compared to his little ass body. <laughs> he tells him to get out the chair. What does he say? No. <laughs> he says it's too big for you. Gatano is bad shit crazy. Yeah. He's, he's a scary actor, period. He looks crazy. Like his eyes. If you watch the show, guys, look at his eyes. He's different. So Gatano decides to take it upon himself to stir up some trouble. And calls some shots. And he takes a hit out on Loy's son. He asks um, Rabbi, who was the Irish son that grew, that grew up and is now living with the fathers. Yeah, he sends them to go kill his son. What son? Lemuel. In the car. He orders a hit on his son. He, he On a, on Loy's oldest son. So he's starting up trouble. Trying to start a fight. Trying to start a war. Interesting play. Yes. We get the younger brother, the young, young father, goes back to the hospital. Because during that exchange with Katano, one of the things was he told him, like, you know, you haven't even got the situation with our father handled. The fact that you allowed him to be put out of a hospital without treatment and he let somebody talk to you like you were crazy. You haven't even took care of the doctor. Yeah. That's what he said. You haven't even took care of the doctor yet. (laughs) Gangster without you. You haven't even took care of the doctor. He goes back to the hospital to case the place and he runs into our good friend, Nurse Mayflower. Oh, Nurse Mayflower. <laughs> Who hops in his car and then decides that... She has a slight conversation with him. Uh, <laughs> and and then, then she chubs him off. <laughs> so, yeah, and he's looking just astonished. Like, who the who is this crazy lady and yeah. why? The she, look on his face is like, I don't want this, but I need this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, she just hops in the car and, like, just dominates. 
it's interesting to see he's getting ran, not ran, not necessarily, well, he's getting run over by his brother. For he's sure. run over by everybody. Yeah, facts. He hasn't got much respect since, because even when his dad was around, he was getting chumped in, big brother's chumping him, and, you know, the girl has pretty much been running things as well. Yeah. After the attempted hit on Lloyd's son, and the news gets back to him, uh, he has a conversation with uh, Dr. Turner, and he's like, we just, you know, we need to go in there. Should I go in and wake up? the little white boy and basically rough him up or, you know, hurt him. And he's like, no, it's probably like, you need to think about that because if you do it or when you do it, it's going to be a fight to the death. Like it's going to be an all out war at that point. Changes things completely. Yeah. And he was like, you know, my son could be dead. He could be. I said like, he didn't just get like his son didn't almost get taken out. Exactly. But Dr. Senator makes a good point. He don't know who gave that order. That's what he told him. He was like, look, before you do this, let's find out who gave the order because, it could be, you know, exactly the, what it is. Yeah, the, the the struggle within the family itself. So, um, you don't want to go off the deep end and start some shit that you might not need to start. Basically, which I foresee them probably teaming up with the younger Fada to get rid of Gatano. Like that's how they're probably approaching. They're probably gonna approach little Fada and be like, "Hey, look, you look like you got a problem. Your your brother's causing us problems. We could just solve this problem together right. before shit gets out of hand." Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that happens. Back at the funeral po- funeral home, Shawnee and uh, Ethel Rita's aunt decide that they're going to go rob the cannons because they had heard that they were giving the family trouble. Or like they were leaning on them for money or whatever. That's why they decided to go rob <laughs> the cannons. But before they did it, they ate, well, Shawnee, Shawnee ate the pie. Tore that pie up. <laughs> that special apple pie that uh, Nurse Mayflower had left. And they get them out of the house in a hearse, in a coffin. Is Which out. is interesting because you find out at that point that dad is working with his sister-in-law because he lets them use the hearse. Yeah, that's how they got transported there. Yeah, because there was a point when the wife was looking like, he was like, yeah, I'm going to take the hearse. Like, <laughs> <laughs> We get the first issue of first repercussions of eating said pie because when they're in the hearse in very close proximity she starts farting yeah and it just sounds like really nasty right then and there they get there they get inside to get the money and she proceeds to throw up and shit herself mid-robbery which allows one of the cannon guys to get a shot off um doesn't go anywhere though and he just ends up dead so that was interesting yeah they end up having to to kill somebody that was so nasty I don't like threw up on the money shit threw up on the money twice got evidence everywhere Gross. I don't think nobody's doing DNA uh, samples off of vomit back in Armani, that day. I was thinking the same thing, man. I was like, ew, like every it just got DNA everywhere. However, you know, I don't know what DNA was like in the fifties. I don't think it, it was a thing. Yeah. Once Loy learns of this shit as well, then he was just like, Who the fuck did this? Like so they really think that the fathers are, are coming at them kind of hard. Any anything else on Fargo? How how are we like I I'm I think this is gonna be a turning point for Fargo like I think after this episode it's about to get real it's just about to get real this is when we gonna start seeing bodies drop yeah I think that it I like shows like this because they are doing a good job at setting up for I think what's to come one one of the best things about Fargo is it ends so you know that somewhere in the second half. You're going to get where you needed to get. You're going to be where you wanted to be. And boy, oh boy, Fargo never lets us down. Yeah, it doesn't. All right. Next up is going to be Power Book, the mid-season finale. 
And this opens up, we see Monet asking Tariq questions about who this dude is that her son's got pictures of in his backpack. And Reek's just like, you know, I don't know. It's none of my business. I'm too busy doing other stuff. But maybe Zeke knows who this person is. So we clearly kind of figured out Monet knows her son is gay. Like, like I, I got the sense last episode that she knows he's gay. And she's just like, look, you just need to be careful out in this world. Because they don't expect- he, said, he said everybody knows. Oh, okay. Well, then That's what that. he was saying, uh, Tyreek. He was like, it's not a secret. All my family knows. It's the people at school that don't know. And it's the guy that he's dealing with that doesn't want anybody to know. Ah, uh, okay. So you think that's why she, like, she, isn't she against, no, she wants him to run the family Yeah, which is interesting. So So she wants him to be the one, she really wants her daughter to be in control. But if she got a pick out of her son, she seems to lean towards him. Well, he's the level-headed of the two. The other one is the, the muscle. I didn't, I didn't really get as much as of her wanting him to run it. As much as the dad really wants him to take initiative from the cell. He's earlier, she was like, I don't want him to do that. And he was like, nah, I want him to do that. And it was like, all right. And then she ended up telling the other one, watch your brother. And look what ended up happening. Mm, Facts. Then Tariq has a a surprise birthday party thrown for him, which gets awkward when both of his, you know, lady pals show up however diana is there more on a mission from her mom to get the info that her brother dropped the ball on and she does so or her mom tells her to do so by using her feminine wiles (laughs) 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 well feminine wiles is mad funny yo like (laughs) feminine wiles That's how she's going to extract this information from Tariq, or attempt to, anyway. And we get Sax's crazy-ass niece, who was supposed to go in and just kind of observe, has turned into her own private detective. And first she starts asking his friend mad questions about him, and he's just like, yo, what the fuck you keep asking me all these questions about Tariq for? Yeah, he hit her with the, yo, stop talking about my boy, yo. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then she decides that, all right, fine, I won't ask you no more, I'll just drug him. And get the answers myself. So she drugs Tariq, which starts a series of events for this young man. Family ain't nothing but dirty cops. <laughs> yeah. She wasn't trying to she wasn't trying to drug Tariq. Who was she trying to drug? The white boy. Her boyfriend. He gave it to Tariq. Uh-huh. And he didn't know either. You know what I mean? He didn't know what he was giving him. He thought he was giving him a drink, but he ended up giving him that drink and yeah. That's what happened. So, but she, she was trying to get. I think she was trying to get as much information as possible from dude. She didn't even think that Tariq was gonna drink that. Damn. So he ends up drugged. Then she manages to get into his phone and put a tracking, or like share his location with her phone, so she can see where he's at. And then she tells Sax, and he's just like, "You broke all these laws, but thanks, <laughs> I'm gonna use them." <laughs> like I, I appreciate it. Tariq had flat. Was it Tariq who had flashbacks to his sister? He was uh, seeing her, right? There was a dream at the beginning of the episode by his mother, I believe. I guess dreaming that she was not there. I mean, not in in jail or whatever. He had some sort of premonition when he went to the graveyard, and that's when what's the name took the pictures of him, right? Yes. So Sax follows him to his dad's grave, and Tariq is out there, you know, saying things that are very incriminating. Extremely. (laughs) And then we get Sax and Davis who decide to team up to free Tasha. And the way they're going to do this is to prove that Tariq is the one who killed his dad. Now, I don't believe that a defense attorney can 
go into a courtroom and present something without having consulted their client. So how the frick does he think Tasha's going to like, just be like, okay, let's go with that plan. Like she can put the kibosh on that shit real quick. Yeah. But then they kind of put her in the predicament of, a, of like, what do you want more? Your freedom or your son? Her son. Uh, I don't know. Tasha ain't holding up in prison. <laughs> nah, but she's made it clear. She doesn't want him to have to take the fall for this. So I don't know. But so that's Saxon Davis's plan. And last but not least on things we don't give a shit about on power is the teachers with the useless storylines. So we get Jabari who plagiarizes Tariq's work because he can't write or he's got writer's block. And then we get his friend. Uh, We get Professor Milgram who decides that since she can't get over Jabari, she's going to go ahead and sleep with Zeke. Is that what you gathered? I mean, that's what she did. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no that is that is legitimately what she did like she's like all right i'll use this i'll i'll get over him this way so decides to find someone else to to lay up with which is going to come back and bite her in the ass big time well they they checked off the uh the minimum one sex scene an episode you know they checked it off baby they got it there it is you know it's i really wish that they had either a given them no storyline just made them his teachers or giving them better storylines. Because this what they're doing with them right now is a waste of airtime. I agree. Opinion. I agree. It's just, it's so elementary the way that they're doing them. You know what I mean? I, like, the other stuff is elementary as well, but it's entertaining. But it's just like, these guys are literally doing things just so that you can get some sex on the show. Because that's what it feels like. It feels like, you know what I mean? They've had, I'll just <laughs> say, as deep as we are into this show... We all we really know is that they have sex every episode. One of them has sex with her, and then he has sex with a teen the next time, or not a teen, but a college student the next time. And then he has sex with her again, and then she has sex with. It's literally like, yo, we gotta get a sex power, and they're not even sex scenes. I don't think it's been a nipple the entire season. <laughs> That's what determines makes it a sex scene. I'm just saying. There's no partial nudity. <laughs> yeah, there's no nudity at all. It's just, it's ass. <laughs> Men and women ass. Like <laughs> That no one asked for. That no one asked for. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, at least, you know what I mean? Make it like, at least make it so that everybody can, you know, enjoy what they've seen. Like, I didn't even hear anybody like the Method Man sex scene. It was that pointless. You know what I'm saying? Like, as many yeah. people have been waiting to see Method Man have a sex scene. No one cared. Look, I I'm sure somebody cared, but... I think the aftermath of this is, is going to mess up Zeke's head, and she's going to end up having to pay the price for that. So Yeah, he mad and mature, so... Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's well for her. Uh, moving right along to Lovecraft Country... So, this episode opens up with the funeral of Emmett Teal, which in real life was a public open casket service that thousands of people attended. And it never dawned on me until watching this show that it was in fact summertime and it was hot. And this show has been doing a good job of when they talk about historical things that actually happened, the way it's presented is done very well. That I'm starting to appreciate. Because showing, like, the lady getting sick and throwing up outside. And then when they made the comment of, I can smell the body body out here. You got to imagine that probably smelled pretty fucking terrible. So, uh, yeah, that was that was rough to watch. But Diana, 
decides to skedaddle off because she doesn't really want what and i wouldn't even why would you take that child there like that's not something well, it was her friend it was her friend but this is an open casket of your friend who was beat and shot and that's not something that shouldn't be the last image that a child sees of her friend i understand like we, we understand the whole point of why emmett till's mother had an open casket and what that did for the civil rights movement but that was not a place that his friends should have been like his friends didn't need to see that that's an adult conversation. Well, how old is she? Uh, I don't know. Like, who knows? I don't know. They've never said Diana's age on the show. I, I mean, don't, I don't know. I I would feel that, especially back when it was more oh, heightened than we could easily Google how old Emmett Till was when he passed. Oh yeah, you you're right. Okay, he was fourteen. Okay, so they're fourteen years old. They're f- I I would think that back when it was a more heightened issue to where something like Emmett Till was more likely to happen, like just in broad daylight, uh-huh. that's a conversation that you'd, you'd want to have with your kids because that's a reality. So it's... Yeah, that's a pretty shitty reality, unfortunately. It's it's still a reality. It's still a conversation you need to have with your kids now. So so wait, question. Mm-hmm. Emmett Till, that happened in Mississippi, right? Yes, he was murdered in Mississippi. Yep. Who's in Mississippi for that? Like, how, that, how was that her friend? He's from Chicago, though, right? He was from Chicago, and Emmett Till was visiting some relatives. He was visiting, like, his aunt and his uncle and his oh, cousins for a okay. summer. Okay, she's from Chicago. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay, got it. So Diana runs off, and she gets confronted by Officer Lancaster and his shitty partner, who asks where the Ori's at, and she's like, what Ori? I don't know what you're talking about. And he's just like, well, your mama knows something. Where's your mama? He proceeds to then spit on his hand and rub it on her face. This was absolutely disgusting, but he puts a spell on her. This spell causes her to be haunted and hunted by two demon pickaninnies. So we get more historical things here. One of the pickaninnies, well, they were named Topsy and Bobsy. And Topsy is the name of the actual one from Uncle Tom's Cabin. When they showed this book earlier in the episode, I was just like, why would they even have that book in their house? Kind of like how some people have the Willie Lynch letter. <laughs> we had it. <laughs> Talk to <him>. Touche. <laughs> um, so yeah, so if you're not familiar with the picking any characters, feel free to do some Google research and history. It's pretty shitty. Um, where these character characters, what they started out as. And it's interesting because actually I think Uncle Tom's Cabin was meant to present the harsh realities of slavery. But then white people were like, oh, no, these are cute and funny. Let's take them and make it a joke. Yeah, they just looked at the pictures. They didn't read the book. Yeah, basically. So, but these two motherfuckers scary. This was some real us stuff. So this was like the, the Jordan Peele addition to the show. Yeah, choreography was on point. Bruh, Topsy and Bopsy. I seen them the day after. Like, they differ. One of them was played by Kaylin Harris, who's a pretty famous hip-hop dancer. The uh, other one's name is Bianca Bruton, or like that. So, two very talented young ladies did the damn thing and scared the shit out of everybody for a whole episode. <laughs> so, Gia shows up to town, and she's there to tell Atticus about her, like, try to finish helping him and tell him about what she saw. And... Letty is upset that she's even there, and Atticus is presenting himself like a real butthole, the way he's talking to her. As he has to everyone this entire show. Yeah, I just didn't like the way he was he was coming at her. Like, she's there to help you out, bruh, and you are, especially, like, now that you know all the magic shit's going on, so she has something to contribute, 
bring it down a notch. That's how I felt about that. But Letitia got really upset and stormed out because she was there. That just goes back to the whole question. It's like, does she not think Atticus had a past? Like, this chick wasn't there because she wanted him back. She was there trying to help him. And she wasn't even with Atticus before he left, wasn't she? Wasn't, like, weren't they just childhood friends up until, like, last week? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> but I guess maybe we can blame it on someone on her hormones because we do, you know, know that she's pregnant. So maybe some of that has something to do with it. But uh, that whole, I just didn't like the way Gia was treated in this whole episode in this scene and the way this was handled and then they bring her on to be abused for like a couple minutes and then we don't even see her anymore the rest of the episode like she's just up and gone up i and hope been. she went back to vietnam yeah i'd go to fuck home too so atticus atticus goes to christina and offers to give her the key to the ori in exchange for a spell and christina's like you don't really need no spell of protection like I, I, here's I'll give you a spell. <laughs> May not be the spell you want, but I'll give you a spell. But you're gonna do me a favor. You're gonna show up back at Artem for the fall equinox, and he's just like, all right, fine, fuck it, I'll be there. And then we learn that Christina plans to sacrifice him so she can get immortality. That's the plan. Mm-hmm. While she's just chilling with Ruby in bed. Now, <laughs> Ruby and Christina. This is you know this relationship is like really heating up here. When Ruby goes to Christina after. Emmett's whole funeral and you know she's telling her about how she's feeling and she's breaking down and Christina just hits her with I don't give a fuck I don't care about any of this I don't care about that little boy and neither do you in reality and it was like the look on Ruby's face was like huh when you put it like that maybe I don't know like she was looking like she was just questioning everything at that point then they proceed to take their pills and um have their white sex (laughs) their white sex (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're like a whole, they're like a real relationship. They got layers. They're different. You know what? And I almost, like, I I like it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you weird, because I don't like it. <laughs> Moving on. So, <laughs> Montrose and Atticus decide that they're going to try to cast the spell and nothing's happening. And that's when Atticus tells Montrose that when he went through the, the thing, he went to the future. And he saw that Letty is pregnant with his son. And his son's name is George. And he's the one who writes Lovecraft Country, a book that's an account of their family's experience. So they've got a future they've got to protect in there. So, you know, we get them making up after their previous confrontations. Um, Meanwhile, Letty decides she's going to go to Christina and ask her to protect Atticus. And she's just like, no. (laughs) Can't do that one. I don't want to do that. And you people just keep asking me for this. (laughs) I love... It's interesting that Christina seems to know everybody's shit, but no one realizes that everyone is going to Christina yet. You know the lack of communication in this show? Like, there's no meetings. I don't understand why Diana didn't go to someone and was like, hey, you know, I'm being chased by these two little demons. Like, Honestly, I didn't really think about that. The fact that she just didn't go to anybody and ask for help. She's just running I thought around. about it many times. Like she's just <laughs> running around. Like even when, even when she was like, even when they finally got her, she didn't say anything to anybody. Like, hey, they're coming to get me. Hey, she just kind of stood there and was just letting it happen. And they're just looking like, why is her arm bleeding? Yeah, she. Yeah, that was that kind of that sucked. Like with that, um, when Ruby turned into the lady at the, the first time, she mm-hmm. transformed. Why did she not go to Letty's house? Why was she just running around in the streets? Because she wanted to be a white woman for a day. She wanted to live life unencumbered. I mean, during the initial shock, though, 
Well, I mean, that's when she still wasn't really fucking with her sister at that point, too. I don't care how mad I am. In that moment, that's when you want to be prideful. So Christina tells Letty, I'll protect you instead. So I'm going to protect you. And I feel like she must have known that she was pregnant. And that's why she chose to protect her. Does that, would that do anything for her? That's another son of Adam. Is that what he is? Yeah. Technically? But... Yes, it is. And if you think malicious Christina long term, that gives her another sacrifice. sacrifice down the line should she need someone else in that bloodline. Because at this point, it's just Atticus. So when she kills Atticus, if her plan was to go well, that would be the end of the bloodline. So if she needs more blood than who she's going to get it from. So super diabolical. <laughs> so she, she casts a spell on Letty to protect her. And then she gets attacked by two cops. And they do to her exactly what was done to Emmett Till. They beat her up. They shoot her in the head. They wrap the cotton gin wire around her neck and then proceed to throw her into the river. Which she climbs out of. But she climbs out of it a slightly different person. A little more empathetic Mm -hmm. to the situation. And she goes to Ruby and she's like, you know what? I get why y'all don't like being lynched. Yeah, yeah. I I, kind of see why y'all are so upset. Super violated. Yeah. They was beating the shit out of her. She had no choice and then got right back up out of that water in two seconds. Like, they threw her in that water. And I was like, oh, that's different. Because for you to go through that and then just go back to regular. Uh-huh. So Ruby ends up finally telling her sister about her relationship with William and Christina. And Letty is like, you shouldn't trust her. She cannot be trusted. And Ruby's like, she's the only person who, you know, who has been straightforward about what her intentions are for the most part. And Letty's like, no, nah, she wants to kill Atticus. And Ruby's looking like, I don't give, I don't care. Am I supposed to care? Uh. <laughs> like, <laughs> what has he done for me? All he's done is cause problems. Like, and I'm supposed to be upset by the, that possibility. Uh. So Ruby's like, yeah, well, that's your problem, not mine. Um, And then Diana ends up getting attacked by Topsy and Bopsy. So she went home. She went home and then her uncle finds her. He's holding her because he doesn't see the, the, you know, two demons. And she ends up getting scratched up really bad and, Ends up in, I guess, a coma, kind of a coma, some kind of demon-induced coma thing. And then, we'll see. yeah, ending up the show, Lancaster and his homeboys, the Fuzz, show up at Letty's house and try to get in, but he can't get in. The other officer, one of the officers was able to get in, but he's not able to get in because the house was protected. So at that point, he knows they got magic, they know he dealing with magic, and he proceeds to shoot up the house, um, just as Atticus rolls up. And Letty sees Atticus and then, you know, she sees he's about to get shot. So she, I guess, decides, you know, since she's protected, she's going to run out the house to save him. Yeah, she tried to bully Superman. Yeah. (laughs) And one of those monster things shows up out the ground and starts wrecking shop on the cops. And then at the end, we see that Atticus, like, it just kind of bows to him or like, I don't know if he can control it or if it's just like his pet now. So maybe whatever that spell was that Christina gave him, evidently that's what it did. It gave him the ability to summon a pet monster. You can get a little help. You don't get automatic protection, but you can get some backup. (laughs) Things are like that. Yeah, basically. You sure he wasn't already? He ain't already have that? He's like the golden child. But he's never, but he's been under stressful situations where he's been in danger and he's never produced it before. And they attacked him last time. But they, they never, you said they attacked him last time? Yeah, when they were in the woods in the first episode, I believe. I mean, they were running after him. 
<laughs> he didn't know that he could. He didn't know. He didn't know. He wasn't that close to him to the point where he could turn around and be like, you know what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's one of those things where the only reason why he even do that is because he was as good as caught at that time. For you to put your hand up, <laughs> he's as close as your hand can reach, as opposed to. If you're running after the people that I'm with, I'm running too. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I'm immune. And I'm just saying in the sense of like, as you can, as time goes by, you see that Atticus has some shit with him. And like, he cleared out the room when they were sitting in the room and he told everybody, look, I run this shit, get up and get out. And they're like, oh, okay. What were they doing earlier um, in the show where he was standing in the middle, butt naked, getting lightning shot through his entire body? Oh, that was when Christina's dad was trying to sacrifice him. Right, right, right. But I'm just saying, in a sense of, we don't ever necessarily know that it's just not in his bloodline. He's the chosen one. I don't necessarily... Ultimate theories, for sure. Yeah, like, you know, we're not necessarily sure if she actually did something for him or if he's just always special. Yeah, he's definitely special, that's for sure. Uh, he can cry like nobody's business. Yo, he's a, he is an amazing crier. Yes. I would love for someone to do an interview with him and ask that question of like, how does he do that? Like, what do you think of? Where do you go to just be able to produce that like level of emotional sadness that he he does when he cries? Um, That is pretty exceptional and not easy to do when he does it a lot. Right. That's it for Lovecraft Country. Um, We have two more episodes left and shit's starting to get real. So. We'll see what happens. Rounding out this here podcast, though, is The Boys season finale. One of the best season finales that I have seen in a long time. Starts off with the boys trying to get back Becca's son from Homelander and Stormfront. And they're held up in a cabin in the woods. And they show up. And first things first is we got to, you know, get them out of there. So while they're there, the information about Stormfront's past, her Nazi past, is released to the media. Super Nazi past at that. Super Nazi. <laughs> Not like low-key Nazi. She was hanging out with, with Hitler. With like. Hitler and, and Ava. Like she was friends with them, having dinner and shit. And she's like, oh, where'd this come from? And evidently A Train snuck it out of the church. So that church place has files and information, like all the deep facts about super backgrounds. A Train was able to get it out because he was like, look, I'm gonna use this to get back into the seven. And he gave it to Starlight. And yeah, so they put that shit out there. So Stormfront takes off to figure out how to fix it. And then Homelander, they put a bunch of sonic speakers in the woods to get Homelander out the cabin. So he takes that bait. Both of them take the bait. Kisner alone. And then Billy the Butcher and Becca go in there. And at that moment is when he has a change of heart. Because initially, he was just going to give that kid to Voight. Like his plan was to get this kid out of the fucking picture again. He's. <laughs> He stays pretty on brand, like, up until this moment, as he doesn't want shit to do with that kid, and he just wants his wife. But he doesn't. He changes his mind, and he tells her, like, look, I was going to sell y'all out and sell your kid out, so you take him, and you go. And she's like, no, I forgive you. You were going to do it, but you didn't do it. Girl, if you don't take your child and go ahead on. Yeah, like, what did he think Voight was going to do with you? (laughs) So they get out the house. As they proceed to get out the house, and he tells her, you know, just get to safety, both Stormfront and Homelander decide to reappear. Homelander makes his way to the cabin first and goes in and starts, like, killing cops. He kills all the popo that are inside, all the agents. So we get homicidal Homelander while his boo thing is out front. Um, first, she flings the car that has Becca and Ryan in it, number one. So she didn't even give a shit. Or she just hoped 
that he was going to be, you know, invincible to car crashes. Yeah, like, let's hope he got that check mark. Yeah, <laughs> like, what if he had, like, what if he didn't have super strength and he only had laser eyes? <laughs> so she could have killed him and <laughs> didn't care. <laughs> um, so, but they managed to get them both out the car and they scurry off. And this is one of the best scenes ever as Stormfront then gets her ass whooped. First, we get a one-on-one with her and Starlight, who was holding her own here. She didn't hold her own well against Black Noir, but she was like, fuck this. I'm not letting nobody else put their hands on me and treat me like this. <laughs> so, so her and Stormfront was a little bit more of a slightly more even matchup as far as the fight goes. But we get her and then we get the silent girl doing work, a little bit of work. And then she snaps the girl's neck. And I was just like, oh, my. Dead. I was like, damn, they're going to kill her now? Like, she's made it this far and they're just going to kill her. I totally forgot she was, you know, Wolverine in female form. Straight up. Yeah. So, yeah. She regenerates. And at the same time, Queen Mom shows up. Queen Maeve shows up. And then they commence to a three-on-one ass whooping of Stormfront. That ends in a nice little curb stomp. Yeah. (laughs) They were kicking the shit out of her. Yeah, they beat the shit out of her. And it was amazing to watch. And I loved when uh, What's-His-Face was just like, oh, so girls do get it done. This is the I, second time that she saved the day. Um, I think so. Well, because she, you know, she did the peanut thing to Noir. That's right. She did that. She's, yeah. She's been low-key clutch this season. Well, she ain't show up before the fighting, actually. <laughs> right. <laughs> and how the, she, uh, the status of Noir. Huh? He, he is unresponsive. That's what they said his status was. Oh, unresponsive. So yeah, there's a there's a scene where he she says, you know, he's like, he's like, how's Noir? And she's like, unresponsive. They don't know if it's brain damage or not, but he's unresponsive. Yes. And he's like, oh, he's like, wow. So Noir is a vegetable. He says, what's the guy's name? Lamplighter. Mm-hmm. He's toast or something like that. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then he, and then he said, uh, Starlight is in the breed. And so it was like all three of those people in the seven. You know, it wasn't looking good for them. And then you look at the situation with uh, A-Train. It's kind of like out. And then Deep is out. It's really just Mav, Stormfront, and him. Barely holding it together. (laughs) It's crazy. Stormfront decides to haul ass out there because, you know, she's getting her ass kicked. And she manages to land right near Becca, Ryan, and uh, Billy the Butcher. And at that point, she's like, I've had enough with this. So she threatens to kill Becca. And, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, she decides to choke the shit out of her up against the truth. Like she, she, she's going in for it. She's done. She's over it. And we have to sit there and watch Billy the Butcher just waste rounds on her that are not penetrating. They're not doing anything, but he just keeps firing at her. I mean, sure, go off. I get it. <laughs> he, at least he tried. Okay, he did. But poor little Ryan gets full on mad, and we get to see the extent of his powers he proceeds to laser laser stormfront and this like bugs her up she's like laying there burnt she has no legs <laughs> i don't even think she had arms <laughs> no she had like half of everything yeah she, yeah, was... she had like a little nub and she's speaking german he like broke her he broke you he broke stormfront yeah she was like buzz lightyear when they reset him and he was just <laughs> speaking spanish <laughs> Ah, they put it back to uh the default. She went back to default. <laughs> everything she learned, everything. <laughs> now you're back at default. And unfortunately, in doing so, he also causes mom to take a fatal wound. So 
So she bleeds out and, you know, her last words to, to Billy are just like, he's different, protect him, take care of him. He's not like them. And Billy's looking like, uh, I guess. But now he's, you know, his wife is gone. He really, he really lost the love of his life. Um, Homelander then, you know, drops in and he sees Stormfront status and he's like, what the fuck? Um, but he just wants his kid at that point. And his kid's like, no, nah, I think I want to stay with this guy, which further just infuriates Homelander. And once again, who shows up to save the day? Queen Maeve. She shows up and she tells home later, nah, buddy, you're going to let them go. Again, 10 minutes too late, Maeve. <laughs> <laughs> we got this handled now. <laughs> um, you know what? Better late than never, I guess. <laughs> but never late is better. <laughs> mm, you're right. That was a Drake lyric. God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Aubrey. <laughs> she got the deep head gave her some information. Basically, she told Deep to go find some information to help her out. And he decided to go back to the plane crash. And he found a recording and he gave it to her. And that was a recording that shows that they left those people to die on the plane. So she tells Homelander, hey, you're going to let them go or I'm going to release this to the world. And he has a choice to make. And he looked like he was having it. it was, he looked, at first, he looked like it was a difficult decision. But then he quickly was like, fine, let them go. Because she was like, no one will ever love you again. And that just hit him right in the feels. Because clearly that's all he cares about is being loved and his persona. So Billy takes off with Ryan and we get them speeches and denouncing Stormfront and taking back all the crappy things that he said about uh, Starlight. Basically saying she wasn't a traitor and, you know, she's good and stuff like that. A-Train gets back into the seven. And just leaves the deep in the dust. <laughs> this scene was, was hilarious because the deep at first looked like, yeah, he stole something from you. You know, this is unacceptable. And they're like, you know what? But it showed initiative. <laughs> so, A-Train, you're going back to the seven. And A-Train's like, I'm out, bitches. Pretty sure literally what he said. And the deep's like, well, what about me? And they're like, yeah, no, you, on the other hand, you still got, got seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and being that they just let a Nazi in, it's only right to let the black guy back in <laughs> to fix that. Is essentially what happened. And then the deep throws a tantrum and fuck y'all. I'm out. I'm leaving too. I'm gonna go figure out another way to get back in. Cause he was like, you made me marry this weird old woman. And I've done all this stuff that y'all asked me to do. And I'm still on the out. So he's not too happy about that. Um, but then the guy from the head of the church calls Senator or Congressman Victoria Newman. And he, you know, he's telling her, Hey, you know, we can work together. I've got all this information on soups that can help you bring them down. And she's like, Oh, really great. I appreciate the assistance. And then we see him, his head explodes or his body does what everyone's been doing. That spontaneous combustion thing that happened in the courtroom. And then we get a shot of her outside of his house. So we learn that she herself is a soup and she is the soup that was blowing everybody up, which now makes sense as to why she wasn't harmed in that situation. Because I was really wondering, like, how the fuck is everyone around her blowing up and they seem <laughs> to be missing her? She seemed to be the target, but made it out unscathed which is interesting because she during that she has a really good control of her powers if you like think back to that situation as she's blowing everybody up but she's managing to seem like she's in distress she played that off really well i didn't watch that that well so i'm gonna go back and look at that because i wasn't even looking at the senator throwing that yeah it's quite interesting how she how she played that off so what did y'all think overall of this season this season of the boys what are, you, what are y'all thoughts? Armani, what's your thoughts? I liked it. It was my it was my first season of watching. So I'll definitely be back for season three. Okay. Dexter? You didn't watch one? No, I didn't. 
Oh, go back and watch one. It's silly. You at least gotta watch the first episode of season one. Oh man, like that whole the, the whole season one is it's really a comedy. Like that's why this show I think it has all of the remnants of a good show. They have the pacing is great. The the characters are all completely different. And it's dope how they use like how they all have their own arc, their own storyline. They all have their own little thing, but Nobody knows anything about most of these people's lives, their lives, rather. Nobody knows anything about their lives. However, they all have individual things that make them, you know what I mean, as opposed to, say, like an Umbrella Effect. Or, wait, what's it called? Umbrella as, well, as well as an Umbrella Academy that they have differences as well, but they don't seem to have the character traits that these guys have. Boys is different, man. It is. And to be honest, uh, you know what? You're completely right in that first, the first season was presented almost like a comedy, like a dark comedy. And this season took it up a whole nother notch. So I'm really interested to see, like coming out of season one, I was just like, eh, man, okay. It's a comic book superhero show that's dark. So I like it and I'll watch it. But to be honest, like, I struggle watch the first couple episodes of season two, but I'm actually really looking forward to season three. So I'm all in for season three because Homelander is going to go batshit crazy. We didn't even talk about the fact that this episode ends with him masturbating over the city because he's such a weirdo. So. Cut scene from the first season. And, that's, and that's really something that you can attribute to them not being able to. They didn't feel like they could go over the top in the first season. Mm-hmm. They most definitely went there this season. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it was much appreciated. Um, if you have not caught up on all of the boys, you're caught up now. <laughs> Season two, because we've spoiled all of it. So we're going to do something a little different for next week's podcast, for the next episode, because we've lost two shows this week. We lost the boys and Power is on its midseason finale. So, Dexter, do you want to tell us about that assignment that we're going to do next week? Okay, we'll be watching Charm City Kings, which is a something on... It's a HBO Max exclusive. It's an Overbrook production, which is Jada Pinkett Smith and Will. They did ATL, the movie, back in the day. I think they've done some other things. I'm sure they... He probably puts his tag on everything that he's in now, however. We're going to watch that. That also gives, you know, all of you listening a chance to watch it. We're not going to spoil it yet. We'll spoil it on the next episode. So you can come back and you can let us know what you think about it. So wrapping up, sleepers. Armani, what's your sleeper this week? Uh, my sleeper this week is Possessor. It's a Sundance film that came out October 2nd. So it is something that you probably will have to pay to watch. Mm-hmm. And or find it. And or find it online, you know. Not condoning, not condoning it, but do what you gotta do. <laughs> We're living in hard times. Yeah, but it's about an assassin who pretty much assassinates people by taking over someone's consciousness and making them do it and then terminating them at the end of her assignment and going back into her body. But on her last assignment, the person that she takes over their consciousness kind of battles with hers. So it kind of starts to split her memories and what Mm. she sees. Um, It's a pretty good, it's a pretty different take on possession. So it was definitely a really good movie. Okay. All right. Dexter, what's your sleeper? My sleeper is Hush. It is on Netflix. It is about a deaf woman who uh, lives in an obscure (laughs) place, which is interesting because you being deaf and living in the middle of nowhere sounds counterproductive. However, (laughs) she lives in the middle of nowhere. And um, it's kind of a 
amateurish film, but it's just, it's an interesting film because she's deaf and she's prepared. So it's not like one of those situations where she's this person who is just weak. She's not weak. She's actually kind of a beast. So it's a very interesting take on a home invasion type of movie. It's uh, done by Mike Flanagan, which is my guy who did Bly Manor and Haunted Hill House and Dr. Sleep. Check it out. Okay. Where where can we find that? On Netflix. On Netflix, okay. Uh, my sleeper is something a little lighthearted and fun because I feel like 2020 has been, a, you know, it's had its ups and downs. So sometimes you just need some lighthearted stuff to watch. So one of my go-tos when it comes to lighthearted things is Hairspray. So if you're a fan or don't mind movies with singing and musicals, then the Hairspray, the 2007 Remake, not the original with Ricky Lake, although that is great as well. So actually, you can watch either one. But the remake with John Travolta and Queen Latifah is my go-to for happy space sometimes. Because the movie is hilarious. It has Amanda Bynes in it, who I think this was like one of the last things that she did before. Like she had her, whatever she has going through. Um, And Amanda Bynes is so funny. She's one of the people that you root for to get better and have a comeback. Or at least I did. Her and Britney Spears. I'm still waiting on some comebacks to get it together but anyway so hairspray yes it's great because it has a song that was not in the original play or the older movie that was written specifically for queen latifah in this film and we get to see queen latifah show off her pipes because everyone you know enjoys her rapping but sometimes people forget that queen latifah can sing sing so that you know i didn't watch chicago she sing in chicago too she does yeah. some singing in chicago but not like this scene. Like, this is almost a song. Like, this song is on some playlists. It's 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 so good. The song's great. Um, yeah. Queen Latifah does her thing in it. So, yeah, Hairspray. It is available on Netflix as well. I'm pretty sure you can find other places. But it is on Netflix right now. Anything else we need to discuss? No, I think we covered everything. That's it? That's a podcast? And that's a podcast. All right. So... Make sure to like, subscribe, rate, share this podcast with a friend. Um, you know, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of its house of blurs. And until next time, take care of yourselves and be good to